0: Some Chicago Bears fans are starting to panic a little bit because this Bears roster still has some holes on it and a lot of the top free agents are already accounted for. But don't worry, there's still options out there where Ryan Poles can fill the holes on his roster and be ready to enter the draft to take the best players available. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. and make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Lockdown Bears your first listen today. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise, then this game is definitely for you. To download the free game, just visit ultimate gm.com or look it up on your App Store. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to your franchise when you enter our promo code LOCKED ON in all caps, in the games store. On the show today, we look at what options remain for the Chicago Bears and Ryan Poles at the biggest lingering positions of need in free agency. It's a dangerous game. I've been trying to avoid the, the, like, let's look at available free agents game because things move quickly. But we've reached the stage of the process now where free agency has slowed down and the dollar amounts are more reasonable. Guys aren't jumping off the street every day and signing new teams constantly, and the Bears aren't constantly introducing new players. Things have slowed down, and it's it's more about the patience and finding the right fits and the right value and not rushing into anything and sometimes waiting for players to make certain decisions about what their futures are going to be. So we'll look at where the Bears can keep building out their offensive line, their defensive line, and their secondary. Let's start with that defensive line because... That, to me, stands out as the more concerning hole right now, that I really would like to see another interior player and at least one additional edge rusher, depending on where exactly they plan on playing DeMarcus Walker, who they signed from the Tennessee Titans. But you look around, and it's important to keep our expectations reasonable here. We're more than a week into free agency. You're not going to go out and find a Pro Bowl necessarily, although there actually is a Pro Bowl caliber pass rusher on the market. But, you know, you're not going to be able to go out and find the game changer, right? The big time playmaker who's going to change everything for your defense and elevate the level of play of everyone around them to the next level. At least not with some amount of risk or red flag involved in that process. The name that perhaps we're dancing around in that discussion is Frank Clark from the Kansas City Chiefs. Someone who is about as proven of a pass rusher as you can get when it comes to the open market. He was a guy who, not this past season in 2022, but prior to that, made three straight Pro Bowls with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now He's coming off of what's largely considered a down year for him, although you know he had five sacks and he made the Pro Bowl last year with four and a half sacks, made the Pro Bowl the year before that with six sacks, so the sack number is not always the perfect measurement of a guy's production. He's also about to turn 30 years old later this summer, so he doesn't quite match the youth that Ryan Poles has been prioritizing in free agency so far. But I wonder if that was more a beginning of free agency priority. And now, once you start looking more for value, if he's more willing to go to veterans just to fill holes and be more short-term options than long-term pieces for this team. Clark also has an obviously uh, checkered legal past. I believe he's still currently on probation for a weapons arrest from a year or two ago that got him suspended. So, like, there's very clearly some background work that needs to be done there but fortunately your general manager was in the front office that did that background work and worked with Frank Clark directly for well he was there for 3 years with Frank Clark in Kansas City so if anyone knows what the bears are getting in themselves into with Frank Clark it's Ryan Poles so i don't know that i don't know that we should be overly concerned about the risk there that poles will either know it's too risky and not do it or if he does do it i think he'll have a, a as good of an assessment as any gm in the NFL As to whether or not Frank Clark is right for them, and maybe him coming off of a quote-unquote down year, not making the Pro Bowl, could keep his price tag a little bit lower. One of the names, or the main name, I think a lot of Bears fans I, I see like on social media pointing to, like, "Hey Ryan Poles, let's go out and get this done." Is Yannick Ngakwe, most recently with the Indianapolis Colts, although he was just with the Colts this past season, so there was never a Matt Eberflus crossover or Island Williams crossover with the Colts. He played for the Raiders the year before that was with the the Vikings briefly and the Ravens briefly, but started his career for a while with the Jacksonville Jaguars, where he kind of made a name for himself. But the last two seasons, 10 sacks in 2021, nine and a half sacks in 2022 with the Indianapolis Colts. And he's only currently 27, turns 28 next week. So he's a little bit more on the younger side that might fit what the Bears might be looking for there. He's not a guy who plays particularly well in run defense. And maybe that's why we haven't seen the Bears more aggressively pursue him. He, he's much more of a pass rushing type. He's a starter, but more of a pass rushing specialist of sorts. And you prefer him on those down and distances. You also look at his numbers and you see the high sacks, but he hasn't had like a super high rate of pressure. So you wonder, you know, how can, how, how consistent will that be? How consistent will that hold up? You know, when you look over the course of his career, the last two seasons have been high sack numbers, but before that it was eight eight sacks, eight sacks, so, you know, there's it stays up there, but it's not always going to be a double digit sack guy every year. And you wonder down in and down out is it, is it more these peak big time plays, or are you getting a consistent rush there when the pass rush win rate is a little bit lower than the sack numbers suggest? But still, sacks are what get you paid, sacks are what make you money. And you wonder if money is a part of this process that he is lingering later in free agency, but sees his sack numbers and thinks, hey, I'm worth more, but other teams. Aren't and I mean we don't know exactly what the deal is there, but maybe a another one-year type prove-it deal to hit the market again next season. I'm not sure exactly what the market looks like for him, if if he's not what the Bears want for whatever reason in terms of the run defense or in terms of the dollar amount or whatever they might be looking at. I'd, I'd throw out one other one: Dwayne Smoot from the Jacksonville Jaguars, a University of Illinois graduate, you may remember, or I guess college football player. In the last couple of years, it's been like five sacks, six sacks each of the last four years. There's a consistency there. But kind of in the inverse of of Ngakwe, like last season, he was 36th in PFF's pass rush winning percentage. Essentially, on each of his pass rushing plays, how often does he beat the offensive lineman in front of him? Not, not, Not how often does he get sacks or pressure, but just how often is he winning his individual pass rushing assignment? Last year, he was ahead of Montez Sweat. Ryan Burns, Aiden Hutchinson at 36%. So even though the sack numbers aren't astronomical, he is consistently winning his pass rushes and getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks, which is still valuable and could be at a much more affordable price than the other two guys we talked about if the Bears still want to spread that money out at some of the other positions of need. Throw out a couple of quick interior defensive linemen. Quentin Jefferson from Seattle, I'd really go after Matt Ionitis from Carolina would be one of my top choices. Or Chris Wormley from Pittsburgh coming off a torn ACL maybe later in the process. After the draft, he's a guy I'd keep an eye on on the interior of the defensive line. But we know Ryan Poles is looking all over the roster and hasn't forced himself to sign guys at positions of the biggest needs, but just go where he can get value and where he gets guys that he likes for this Bears roster. And one of the needs and positions we haven't really touched on much this offseason, and we don't hear a lot about, is cornerback. But I don't know about you, but with Jalen Johnson and and, uh, Kyler Gordon, I'd like to have a better option than Kendall Vildor next season, if at all possible. And I don't want to just have to rely on the NFL draft to fill it. So we'll look at some of the different cornerback options still available on the free agent market, including one with a lot of experience in Matt Eberflus' defense, next on Locked on Bears. The Lockdown Bears podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The NCAA tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets right back to you. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. They've got everything from the NCAA tournament to... The NFL Draft, you can bet on the NBA season. Playoffs are not that far around the corner. You can bet on the upcoming football season, the XFL, and so much more. So Don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and NBA. We haven't talked much about cornerback this offseason because, you know, we know Kyler Gordon and Jalen Johnson are going to hold it down as the top two guys. And of course, Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker are holding down the safety spot. So secondary is not one that has been top of mind. But I'm a little surprised we haven't seen them try and address it even just a little bit more yet. Not because Kendall Vildor is an awful cornerback by any means but he's not great. And when you have all this salary cap space, why not add upgrades where there are easily upgradable positions, right? Vildor has shown some promise. I think he has grown and improved in a couple of seasons in the NFL, but I still would like to do better for my number three cornerback in the depth chart, because with how much nickel defense the bears and every defense plays nowadays, you have three cornerbacks on the field a lot more than you have three linebackers on the field. And that third cornerback whether they're in the slot or on the outside is more of a starter nowadays than your number three linebacker and so you can do better than that especially because I think Kyler Gordon struggled quite a bit last season and you know it'd be nice to have if if he if he's going to have a slow learning curve and some struggles here it'd be nice to make sure that none of the other cornerbacks are offering potential vulnerability either so you can kind of you know put him in a spot and not have to move him around as much as the Bears did last year where he would play the slot, but then in base defense, he'd play on the outside. It'd be nice to put Kyler Gordon in one spot where you can just kind of trust him to learn that one spot and let him thrive there and not have to sort of move him around because of Kendall Vildor not being as good as you would like for that other cornerback spot. Now, there is a cornerback on the market that, again, I've heard Bears fans talk about. It's like, yeah, they should go out and get Rock Yassin who played last season with the Las Vegas Raiders on a one-year deal, but was drafted and spent the first four seasons of his career, three seasons, excuse me, with the Indianapolis Colts, played under Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams in that secondary. Was a starter right away as a rookie and then kind of a, a borderline rotational starter and, and was also injured on and off. And I believe he was injured at times this past year with the Las Vegas Raiders. But there's no question he's a scheme fit in this defense, that if anybody would know, it's... Matt Eberthus, and it's interesting because the Raiders' defense he was in last season was quite a bit different, and I mean, they're much more of a man-coverage-heavy team, and I don't know that it was necessarily exactly the best for him, and I'm also not positive that he wants to reunite with Matt Eberflus, and the reason I say that is because I remember— I. I I had, so I keep like a document of like things to talk about on the podcast here. And there's one that has been in there for the last 12 months that we never got to because I just never found the right time in the podcast schedule to talk about it. But it's Rakia Sin. And it's something he said a year ago when he signed with the Las Vegas Raiders. I watched his press conference. And in that press conference, he was asked, you know, why the why things struggled with the Colts, why, why the Colts struggled late in a lot of those games. And Matty Bufluso's last season, the Colts blew it in the fourth quarter quite a few times. And he said in that press conference, yeah, it felt like last year we got complacent. Like we we just weren't engaged and weren't trying hard enough. And to me, like that quote from Rakia Sin sounds kind of like an indictment of the coaching staff. Like that sounds like, hey, if the players say, hey, we, were, we got complacent and weren't like engaged enough, is that not a reflection on the coaching staff for, for allowing them to get complacent? Like, yes, it's the players, but like you would expect the coaching staff to keep them more locked in, especially with the hits principle being a part of that in Indianapolis. So I just wonder if maybe Rakia Sin wasn't in love with exactly how that played out. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into that and maybe it's fine. And maybe he'd love to come play for Iberflus again. Sure. But I just raise an eyebrow there that, you know, was there a complacency there that Rakia Sin saw from the Colts that maybe he wouldn't want to come back and be a part of that same scheme or, or is it different with Iberflus as a head coach in Chicago, really setting the tone for the whole roster? He Rakia Sin could come in and, be a starter on the outside. You could play Kindleville during the slot and really kind of feel like you've got something a little bit more solid in, in him there. Another option that I think would be a, a nice, you know, younger fit because Rakyosin is, what, 26 years old? He'll, he'll turn 27. So he fits, you know, a little bit more of that age range that Ryan Poles is looking at. Another 27 year old cornerback, Shakil Griffin from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, started his career with the Seattle Seahawks and then spent the last two years in Jacksonville. Had a back injury this past season that landed him on injured reserve after five games. Uh, from what I've read, he has been medically cleared and is ready to roll. I think the Colts ended up cutting him. They tried to trade him and ended up cutting him. So he's he's just a, been a free agent since before free agency started. But you know, he's a solid starting caliber NFL cornerback. Not a guy who generates a ton of interceptions. Again, we're not talking about these pro bowlers that are just sitting on the market for the Bears to sign up cheap. But someone who's got... Decent enough size, decent enough speed, someone who's willing to be physical in the running game that the Bears really like from their cornerbacks, And he's in the younger range and can, again, I think offer a little bit more experience, a little more stability. There's a little bit more of a sure thing than someone like Kindle Vildor, which again, this is not crap on Kindle Vildor hour, but it's just like, hey, can we do better? Or if the Bears really want to like, just stick Kyler Gordon on the outside and say, stop worrying about the slot. Let's lock that position down and not try and move Kyler Gordon around then I look at somebody like Troy Hill from the Los Angeles Rams as someone who I think would be a good option. He is not in this uh, younger category. He's 31, and I believe he turns 32 in August. So this would be you know, the type of one-year veteran-type situation to, to plug a hole and maybe continue to develop Josh Blackwell behind him as a future slot option or maybe Jalen Jones, two of the young guys that played really well last season. But you don't want to be in a position... Where well, you have to play these undrafted rookie for agent players. You don't want to be in the position where your fifth round pick, Kendall Vildor, is playing a thousand snaps in your defense. You can go get a guy like Troy Hill from the Rams, who's solid. You know, he spent a lot of his career in, with the Rams, was traded, I think, to the Browns or signed with the Browns, and then came back to the Rams for one more year. He's just a go-to reliable slot cornerback. Another guy who's willing to get physical in the running game as a slot guy. I think that's something the Bears really, really value. He's had some ball production in his career, but you got to understand slot cornerbacks don't often get quite as many opportunities on the ball. So the interception numbers are low, but he's had some big plays after the catch. He's had a couple of pick sixes in the same season in 2020. He's got a couple forced fumbles in there and it's had some decent chances, decent chances to blitz the quarterback and make some impacts that way too. Also a big time special teams player. So like, Hill would be a good veteran, cheap, consistent slot option. You put him there. You know every time you're good to go there. Kindle Vildor, sit on the outside, play outside cornerback, master that spot first, get as good as you can at that. And of course, you know, Jalen Johnson can then move around and do his thing as well. And maybe you solve a couple of birds with one stone there and help prioritize the development of your first draft pick from last season that really seems to be Ryan Poles' guy. He's a big, he he talked up Kindle Vildor quite a bit this offseason, despite I think Kindle Vildor struggling (laughs) quite a bit Last season, But that's that's how this development process goes. And I think if you put better cornerbacks around Kyler Gordon, it makes his job easier and he doesn't have to cover for anybody and he can work on his responsibility and be the best cornerback he can possibly be. It's much like we talk about building around Justin Fields, giving him as much help as possible to be as good as he can possibly be. And that includes, I think, a need for even more on the offensive line up front. You look at the free agent market as it stands right now, I don't know that you're going to find much you like at center, but it seems like the plan is to put Cody Whitehair at center anyway, or at least have him compete with Lucas Patrick at center. So maybe that's not where the Bears are trying to go in free agency, but right tackle is then the other big hole. And even though they didn't sign McGlinchey, they didn't sign Juwan Taylor, they didn't sign Caleb McGarry, they didn't even sign Orlando Brown, there are still starting quality options at right tackle that the Bears can go after that maybe aren't as exciting or aren't as sure of a thing, but there is. A couple of them with some scheme familiarity that I think would be good fits. We'll break down some of the options at right tackle next on Locked on Bears. The Locked on Bears podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Pro Football GM. You've heard us talk about this mobile game app a few times now. And if you've ever thought you'd make a good GM to make these free agent decisions on your own, then you got to check it out because it's a lot of fun and it's completely free. You control every aspect of your franchise. You're signing free agents like off-right tackles on the cheap market. You're signing cornerbacks. You're signing defensive linemen. Whether you want to spend on the big ones or the cheap ones later in free agency, you get to make those decisions. You make the trades. You make the draft picks. You set the lineups. You simulate through the season and all that and all that and more, all from the comfort of your mobile phone in a challenging and realistic game world. It's completely free, and it's playable offline too, so you don't have to use your data. You can play on the go whenever you want, however you want. Locked on Bears listeners will get a hundred percent free boost to your franchise when you enter in our promo code LOCKED ON in the games store. That's all caps LOCKED ON. So make sure to check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. Again, we should make sure our expectations for the right tackle market are set appropriately when we got our hopes up for McGlinchey or Taylor or even McGarry as guys that got big money and felt like could be real solidifying forces at right tackle that are going to be there for three, four, five seasons for the foreseeable future. You're not going to get that at this stage, but that doesn't mean you can't go get a guy who will be better than what the Bears have on the roster right now at right tackle. If you look at it being Larry Borum and Alex Leatherwood. But also, I think these are guys who, in a pinch, you know, like, you could still go into the draft, and if you get to the number nine pick, and a right tackle is the best player on your board, and you want to take one at nine, great. Draft them, start them, and some of these guys can be a swing tackle. They can be a high-end backup. I think the money that these kind of players are going to sign for is not so much that you have to start them, and you tell them, hey, we're going to draft, we're going to sign you, and you're going to compete to start a right tackle. And that's no guarantee that you're going to start a right tackle, but we're going to give you the chance to, and then maybe you draft one, maybe you don't, but you feel like either way, you're okay. If you have to start these guys and you're okay, if you draft them and have to make these guys a backup or a swing tackle, a couple of guys that have particular scheme familiarity. Let's start with Billy Turner. He came from, he played with the Denver Broncos last season, which is, which was Nathaniel Hackett as head coach. And that offense came from the Lafleur tree of which with Luke Getzey, but of course if you recognize the name Billy Turner before that, he was a three or four year player for the Green Bay Packers. And under Luke Etsy, he started two full seasons, mostly at right tackle, but there were a couple of seasons. He has started games at left tackle, right tackle, right guard, and left guard. Any of the four outer positions, he has been that guy. To me, he he has some similarities to Lucas Patrick in that way, where it's like, I don't think teams, you know, you don't necessarily want to go into the season feeling like, hey, this guy is our starter and has to be our starter and we're relying on him no matter what. But you know that if you have to put him in as a starter, you'll be okay. It's not going to be stellar. There's going to be mistakes. He's going to give up some sacks. He's going to get beat sometimes in the running game. But he's also going to hold up sometimes and also going to give you something a little bit more reliable than I think some of the some of the younger options that the Bears have right now. Turner is not what I would call one of the younger options. I believe he's 30, 31, as I'm filibustering to figure it out right now. 31, will turn 32 during the season. So we're talking about a veteran stopgap option, but... Clearly a scheme fit, clearly positional versatility, and that's something that I think could give you a lot of a lot of bonus when you say, "Hey, yes, we could start him, but if you're not starting him, you can fill in at a lot of positions and really be that six offensive lineman." Him, you know, it could be the first one off the bench. You could plug and play him pretty much anywhere you need. I absolutely, sign me up for an offensive lineman like that. Similar conversation for another one of his teammates this past season. I don't. It's not like the uh, Denver Broncos offensive line was so good that you got to take. Whatever you can get from them, they they were not, presumably. But these were, you know, average to above average players. One of the players that was a starter for them, even though maybe it wasn't the plan originally, Cameron Fleming, started right tackle for them all season. Another guy who was signed to be the swing tackle, supposed to be, you know, a backup, but forced into action, started 15 games this season, and played pretty well. Not great, but pretty well. And you feel like, you know what? Okay, if if he's he's your worst offensive lineman, because he's just okay, you're, you're sitting, you're doing okay. You're, you know, you're fine. If he can, if this guy can be your worst offensive lineman, then that means you're doing pretty well for yourselves because you got a pretty good group of players around him otherwise. And much like Billy Turner, if you draft the right tackle in, in the first round or even the second round, that's better than him. He'll sit on the bench. He's not going to get big time starter money and he can play. He started at both left and right tackle throughout his career. He can fill in on either side and be the backup to Braxton Jones. And it'll kind of be that, that Riley Reef of sorts that you, you don't want to have to start, but certainly can and feel like you're getting something pretty good there and of course playing in that Denver Broncos scheme last season and that's the Matt LaFleur style offense and before that under Fangio they were still in a, a similar style of you know running scheme to go in that offense so like there's there's clearly some scheme versatility there that, that will make him a fit in Chicago if they want to bring him over there maybe the the biggest name if that's if this is even a if it's kind of a uh you know tallest little person the you know the the dullest you know not the uh Not the, it's not an impressive group to be better than, but maybe the biggest name still left on the market is Isaiah Wynn from the New England Patriots, who, you know, is definitely still, you know, on the younger side, if you want to fit that theme of of Ryan Poles' offseason. I mean, he's 27, turned 28 next year, but it's only, you know, four years in the NFL. He was a, a first round pick for them in 2018 out of Georgia, played some guard, played some left tackle in Georgia, and then, you know, they, and, Wondered if he'd be a tackler or a guard in the NFL. He ended up playing both left and right tackle in New England. Kind of fell out of favor there. And there was certainly injuries have been a big part through a lot of the early stages of his career. And the Patriots kind of seem ready to say, yeah, we're kind of we're kind of done with this and, and not going to keep investing in this, this former first-round pick. And so he's on the open market. He's tweeted about wanting a decent amount of money. And I think he tweeted something about, you know, if your offer doesn't start with at least five M's, then don't talk to me. But the later the free agent market goes... The maybe the less likely he gets that number and the more likely he is to come down from that number. I will say scheme-wise, I don't think he's as natural of a fit. You know, Ryan Pohl cited scheme as one of the reasons they didn't sign Orlando Brown. And and I wonder if perhaps Isaiah Wynn is not the ideal fit there. So I bring him up to say, like, he's one of the top options if you look at him, but I'm I'm not sure he's one of the most realistic options. But, you know, maybe he'd be able to make it work. I mean, I it, he certainly they've run those types of plays in New England before, but it's not quite the same style of, of stretching and getting out, out and run. They're more of a gap scheme, downhill style of running team traditionally under Bill Belichick. And so maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't a, a great scheme fit there, but are you willing to make it work for a player, you know, that that's much cheaper compared to Orlando Brown, where you're investing a huge contract in someone who's not a scheme fit, where you sign Isaiah Wynn to a one-year deal and it doesn't work out. Big deal. You sign Orlando Brown to a five-year deal and it doesn't work out. Uh, you're stuck with a lot of guaranteed money there. Like, that's, that's where I think some of the differentiation comes when we talk about two players that aren't scheme fits, but one is less of a risk to try and force in there. As I tried to warn you, like, it's not sexy names, but it's like, if you can, if you can grab one of those right tackles, you can grab one of those cornerbacks, you can grab one of those edge rushers and maybe a defense, an interior defensive lineman, then you can go into the NFL draft saying, okay, at the ninth overall pick, we don't have to take anything. We don't have to get a right tackle there because there's a hole. Well, we've got somebody who can fill that hole. We don't have to take a a pass rusher there because, you you know, you've got some free agents that are filling in some of those holes where you can get away with waiting to take a pass rusher. It feels like you have to take a pass rusher at some point. You feel like it'd be a really good idea to take an offensive lineman at some point. be a good idea to take a cornerback at some point and a wide receiver at some point. But ideally, you go into the draft saying, we don't have to take any of those positions ninth overall. We don't have to take one with our first or second, second round picks, right? We don't, there's not a need where we just absolutely, no matter what, have to draft for need over best player available. And we can take, regardless of position, the best player on our draft board at that spots to just add the best football players humanly possible. The Bears have the cap space to fill those needs. As we went through today, there are players that can at least give you something at those spots, even if you're not in love with those needs being filled that way. It feels like, okay, we've got a stopgap and we can also then still add to it in the draft if the draft board falls that way and it plays out for that being the best interest of this football team. We'll see what else Ryan Poles has in store. He does have to spend more money here in the the coming days and weeks. So if and when they make those next moves, you can be sure we're going to break it all down for you right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. If you're looking for your second listen, check out our new Locked On podcast, Locked On NFL Scouting, with the Draft Dudes Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. They take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise, really from the team-building perspective of all the biggest moves around the NFL. Find it wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming back tomorrow, make Locked On Bears your first listen once again, and you have to come back for your next opportunity to bear down.